Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Promise Perspective podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Green, and I'm also the founder and owner of the Promise Perspective. I am excited that you are tuning into this episode. And, you know, my goal is to always bring you truth and encouragement. But as I spend time digging deep into biblical prophecy and spending a lot of time in the secret place with God, I also find myself burdened with messages to share with people to help them discern the times of head. That's really important. Prophecy is not about doom and gloom. It's about preparation. It's actually supposed to be encouraging to be warned of things ahead. It's a courtesy, right? When we warn people of things to come um, and it's important to talk about it. So what I want to talk about today is how global currency is changing and how that will affect a lot. And it's worth paying attention to because we know that the new world order that is being shaped right in front of our eyes is inevitably leading to a coming cashless society. Now, I feel like so many people have had their social media flooded with Mark of the Beast and New World Order stuff and news. And it's been so sensationalized by Christians that people don't want to hear about this stuff anymore. But listen, y'all, our economy is changing. The way we handle money is changing. The way our leaders are addressing global problems is changing. And I just have this feeling that if people don't see and discern the times that we're living in right now, then it's going to be even harder for people to see and discern in the future. It's not about predicting how things are going to play out. It's about paying attention. Um, it's about testing everything with scripture. It's about being watchful. It's about taking what the world feeds you and bringing it to God and asking him to help you discern, help you understand, help you warn others and encourage others as well. That's why God's people play such an important role right now to discern th- these things and to speak up. So without further ado, let's get into it. are going to cover a lot (laughs) in this episode. I encourage you to stick around and hang in here for this episode because I know this was, I already know this is going to be a long episode um, because here's the thing. I know that people don't have time to research. I know that a lot of people don't don't want to research. They don't want to dig deep into the climate of this world, both physically and spiritually. Um, and I get it. And to be honest with you, I don't have a whole lot of time to dig into it either, but I'm so compelled and convicted 
to teach others and warn others that like when I share these types of episodes, when we talk about like, I don't for lack of better words, like real life things, I have done the research for you. Um, now I always encourage people to do the research themselves. I always encourage people to not take my word for it. So I just want to like give you that perspective on where I'm coming from. Like I know people don't want to research, like even listening to an hour long podcast episode is too much for people, but I really want to encourage you. If there is anything that I've talked about so far on my podcast that I want you to listen to, it is this episode right here, because what's coming to this world is going to affect everybody, especially Americans. So while this comes from a place of love, this also comes from a place for me personally, a very deep urgency and um, warning. So, so yeah, um, the prophets in the Old Testament, they warned people for years before things happened. They were mocked and persecuted. They were killed. Some of them were killed for sharing about the things that were to come. Like, just like Jeremiah preached on the coming destruction destruction to Jerusalem, people were like, I mean, and Noah too, like, yeah, right. <laughs> Shut up. That's not going to happen. Quit talking about that stuff. Some of the prophecies they warned about thousands of years ago haven't been fulfilled yet. Um, but I don't know if you're like me like this, but sometimes I wonder what people like Daniel, the apostle John, Ezekiel, Paul, I wonder what they would say if they were alive today. Uh, They would probably be bouncing off the walls right now because God's people today, right now, are seeing how the world is aligning in such a way that we can clearly see that it is paving the way for certain prophecies to be fulfilled. It's incredible. The things shifting and taking place right now, this is exactly what they were talking about in both the Old and the New Testament. And one thing I want to talk about today is, well, I want to talk about money, but I also want to talk about how sometimes In order for us to pay attention and understand where we are headed as a nation and the world, it's also important to understand, you know, where we've been, the history of how things have been shaping and shifting for years. It's important to understand that one pill that people don't want to swallow is that the entire world is under control of the evil one. It's not until you understand that this world is Satan's playground that you can see that the battle we fight is truly not against flesh and blood. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. It's all spiritual. I want to encourage you to listen to episode 24 on this podcast. If you haven't already done so about Christian persecution as being a government enterprise, because I go into way more detail there, but Anyways, um, so we know that, well, maybe some don't know, but we know that the world is being led to usher in a coming antichrist, a new world order. 
And listen, that is not a conspiracy theory anymore. New World Order is not even a secret anymore. The funny thing is, when people talked about it before we were told we were conspiracy theorists, Wikipedia even called it a conspiracy, but now the term is thrown around so casually, like it's no big deal. Like if they talk about it enough, people will be desensitized to the true meaning behind it. But those in their Bible, they know, we know exactly what that means. Multiple leaders have talked about it multiple times in multiple countries. For crying out loud, one of the sessions at the 2022 World Government Summit was, and I quote, are we ready for a new world order? Some people may not understand what I'm talking about, but I just want to say that if you feel like something, if you feel like something is not right in the world, you are right. I don't like to say, I don't like to say trust your gut or trust your instincts, but if you're not in a place right now where you are trusting God, then I encourage you to trust your instinct and take it to God. Many people know something ain't right. Many people know something is off. Something has shifted and they don't understand it. So they choose to ignore it. And my job is to tell you to not ignore it. Bring your uncertainties to God or find someone you truly trust who has a biblically sound mind and a relationship with God because it's not going to do you any good to ignore it, especially with what's coming to this world. March 2020, when the pandemic started, was the moment I felt like something was off. I just felt this shift. And then with that shift, my perspective started to shift. And I took that to God. And I spent more time um, in the secret place with him to learn and read his word so that God could strengthen me and bring me discernment and understanding. I had no idea what this urgency was all about. I was like, what in the world is going on? But that's what he's calling his people into this season. So I don't know. I, I try to always preface these types of episodes by saying that we have to understand that the world is not on our side. Okay. And as Christians, we will always be an enemy to the world. James chapter four says, don't you know that friendship with the world makes you an enemy of God? And then he goes on to say, do you think the scripture has no meaning? Like in other words, (laughs) take God's word for it. We should understand this because God is giving us very, very clear warnings and prophecies that help us to see this. Our Bible was given to us so that we could be prepared. Like, do you think the scripture has no meaning? Do you think God's not telling us the truth? And let me love you enough to tell you that um, if Christians can't see what's going on in this world and stand up now, then we definitely won't stand later, y'all. And when I look at other countries and Christianity in other countries, I just don't feel like the American church is ready to face persecution like that. Like our brothers and sisters face persecution in other countries like North Korea, Afghanistan, and Iran. Like as we speak, we live in a, I'm in the, I'm in the United States and we live in a bubble here compared to other countries. And the reason I'm talking about this too is because 
and many people don't want to hear this, but America, the United States, we are losing our stronghold on global power. In light of the withdrawal from Afghanistan, that definitely exposed our administration's weakness. Countries like Iran, Russia, Turkey, and China, they're growing stronger in their alliance, um, both military-wise, financially, economically. And I say that like a little bit iffy because that's kind of what I'm getting to in this episode. Um, But our relationship with Israel is also weakening. And it's not by their fault. It's our own fault. Our current administration wants to renegotiate the 2015 nuclear deal. We've lifted sanctions on Iran's civilian nuclear program. Um, our administration is, they, they support, they're currently working slash supporting a two-state solution, dividing Israel into two sovereign states, a sovereign Israel state and a sovereign Palestinian state. And, um, you know, we say we support Israel and our actions speak otherwise. All of this has emboldened Iran and Russia in unprecedented ways. Our administration's weakness has unfortunately made the United States vulnerable. And this is not political. This is not even an opinion. This is what's going on. In the last days, when the Antichrist makes his appearance on the world stage, America will not be a global stakeholder. The United States is not mentioned in biblical prophecy at all about being one of the world's superpowers in the last days, which either means one of two things. Either we will not be in existence physically, or we will not be a threat or of importance or dominance economically or financially. So what we're seeing right now, like currently right now, is this inability for us right now to to close the gap between supply and demand. Inflation is at a record high. We're officially in a recession, even though whatever, like they want to redefine what a recession means. Okay, we're in a recession. And just a reminder, Biden shut down the Keystone Pipeline. And just recently came back from Saudi Arabia, begging them to produce more oil. Yet he shut down the whole Keystone Pipeline system that would have allowed us to produce oil for ourselves in-house. And I think including supplying oil for Canada and Mexico as well. So, yeah, America's losing, we're losing our energy independence. And what people don't understand is that being independent on your own natural resources is a powerful place to be. Globally, it's a it's a powerful place to be. The world runs off of oil. Oil is used for everything. Your status of power as a country is dependent on how independent you are on producing oil. And it's also dependent on your ability to force people to use the the U.S. dollar, which is the world's, currently is the world's reserve currency. And I'm going to explain to you just how much oil and money go hand in hand because it's changing. And it's something that will, like I said, it'll, it's going to affect everybody. But most definitely, 
I feel like the biggest impact and effect it's going to have is on the United States, on American citizens. So if you didn't know, the United States is the world's largest oil producer in the world. Saudi Arabia is second in producing oil and is the largest in exporting oil. Other large exporters of oil are Russia, Iraq, the UAE, and Canada. And I say all that to say this too. Okay, so in order for nations to buy oil, all nations, they have to have the U.S. dollar. This is because the U.S. dollar is the world's reserve currency. It's the world's most dominant currency. In order for nations to hold the U.S. dollar, they have to purchase treasury bonds so that they can buy oil. That's why the United States is a strong man for global power, okay? This is where our dominance has come from since the U.S. dollar officially became the world's reserve currency in 1944. So before we go any further, we need to talk about the history of global currency so that we can get the full picture on what it means when we say the global currency is changing. <clears throat> because especially for Americans, it means a lot. And I'm telling you, people need to know this stuff. So let's go back in time. Okay. One of the largest financial meetings took place on July 1st, 1944 in Bretton Woods, New Hampshire. It was called the United Nations Monetary Conference, or what is known now as the Bretton Woods Monetary Conference. This conference involved 44 countries, and this is where our world governments established the World Banking Group and the International Monetary Fund. Long story short, this is where they set the gold standard and chose the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency, the backbone of international currency exchange. So basically, foreign currency would no longer be linked to gold exclusively, but instead be linked to the U.S. dollar. During this conference, they established fixed exchange rates between foreign currency and the U.S. dollar. And this was pretty much, like if you think about it, this was pretty much what came about as a build back better plan as the world was coming out of World War II at that time. The operation of the world economy changed after that war. And this conference is also where free trade was born. Literally, the General Agreement on Trade and Tariffs, GATT. That was a predecessor organization to the World Trade Organization. Most people are more familiar with the World Trade Organization. So to help restore the economy after World War II, international trade was encouraged and legislated. And any member country that wanted to participate in free trade had to be a member of the World Trade Organization. Today, most nations, I think most nations today are all members of it. So during this time, the United States became the, you know, the world reserve currency for the U.S. dollar, which was backed by the gold standard. So instead of countries holding gold reserves, 
they started holding dollar reserves. That's where the treasury bonds come into place back then and today. So at this point, with the U.S. dollar being the new reserve currency and free trade becoming more institutionalized, as a result, we begin to see different things becoming heavily monopolized. We see it even more so today, like Walmart, Meta, which used to be Facebook, Apple, Amazon. But these are all modern day examples, right? Monopolies are businesses or companies that dominate a sector or an an industry. Like nobody can compete with them. Um, One of the first monopolies was the oil manufacturing business. One of the largest oil conglomerates in the world was Standard Oil. That's the name of it. It was founded by by John D. Rockefeller. Standard was so big of a conglomerate that because of the Sherman Antitrust Act, it actually had to be broken up into multiple different companies. So you see the, the Sherman Antitrust Act, that was a law passed in 1890. And the whole point of that law was to prevent monopolies from forming and dominating the market. So today, Standard, Standard Oil, goes by the modern names of Mobile, Exxon, BP, and Chevron. All of these are owned by literally one person. 95% of the oil trade is controlled by the Rockefeller family and whoever they've involved. And that's also why we have to understand that globalization is where this world is headed. That's why the Sherman Act is losing its power because the world is becoming dependent on monopolies to provide. And it's also part of why people are trying to help others understand that this world is run by those people, those monopolies, who are referred to as the elite. You know, people talk about the elite. Those are the people who own these large corporations. World government and these monopolies are the ones making decisions about policy and things like that. Other examples are J.P. Morgan, who he was the founder of the world's largest monopolies in the steel industry. We have Nathan Mayer Rothschild. Do some research on the Rothschilds. Seriously, today they are one of the largest independent financial advisory groups. And their history goes way, 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 way back to the 1800s. Their monopoly is the establishment of banking and financial groups. And today, they are still dominant in banking and financial operations, but also in the mining and energy industry. The wealthiest people in the world have the greatest monopolies, obviously, but these are the same groups of people that are involved in government decisions. We have to understand how this came to pass. It all started after World War II and the ability to establish free trade internationally. These are the people that are calling the shots. The government is infested with personal ambitions and corporations that have the money to make the world go round. So when when I talk about government too, I just want to point this out. I'm not specifically talking about your local leaders. Our local government, unfortunately, is like the bottom feeders in this whole operation, okay? And they don't call the shots. Um, We're just the boots on the ground trying to make our communities, um, trying to sustain our communities. But 
These are all the things that control our world, our policies, our trade, not our government. I mean, our government is involved, but it's these wealthy bankers and investors and business owners that are truly calling the shots. These are the elites we warn people about because when someone has a monopoly, they control the market. They control it because they have no competition. The bottom line is that our leaders are calling for more globalization. Like globalization and the progression of the world economy is leading to that one world global government. We see these stakeholders, these global stakeholders, meeting in private to discuss policy decisions and government decisions at these huge international events like World Economic Forum, the Global Government Summit. And um, so I'm going to touch on this just briefly, but I have to point this out too. Microsoft is another huge monopoly. Bill Gates is like the modern day Rockefeller, the modern day JP Morgan and Rothschild. And one thing we're seeing now And I I have a whole other episode where I'm going to touch on all of this. But this whole, the whole like the great reset thing that they talked about in light of COVID. Just pay attention to how much they're privatizing the world. This is also why they're trying to retire the laws under the Sherman Act. Because they were put in place to prevent monopolies from taking over the world. That was the whole purpose of that law to begin with. But our world leaders have painted it out in a pretty picture to make it look like globalization is the answer. You'll own nothing and be happy. Literally, Klaus Schwab said that at the World Economic Forum. They say this is the answer and people are buying it. They say global problems require global solutions. And they've used the pandemic to usher in their global agenda. We've been on this path for a very long time. The world has always been moving towards the goal of global governance. Like the spirit of the Antichrist, the enemy, he moves in the hearts of people to fulfill evil plans. And that's why Jesus said, these things are going to happen. God's prophets and disciples have warned us about this. We can't change it. (laughs) We cannot change it, which is why we need to discern and prepare. That's why I preach on the importance of studying the Bible. It's not just some book of the past. It's a living book. God's word is alive right now. But this right here, the globalization, it is it is becoming a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. We see the world aligning and moving toward a one world government, one world currency, and all of this has been prophesied about. These things have to happen. That's why we pay attention and also why it's important to, to know history. The only way we can usher in a great reset is by weakening our country, weakening the economy so that they can create solutions for the same problems they create. That's why all of these quote unquote green policies are driving farmers out of business. Why else would Bill Gates be buying up American farmland? He's the largest farmland owner in America. 
270,000 acres of farmland. And at the same time, he's investing millions into Picnic, which is an, an online grocery retailer. He's advocating for countries to move to synthetic beef. And the technology and health field is another area he has his hands deep in. I'm sure there's other people involved, but Bill Gates is the only one I really know about particularly. So just pay attention. And um, I'm going to touch on some things on Bill Gates, his patented technology in a later episode in the my series that I'm launching starting next week. So I hope you tune into that. And I just want you to know, I'm not getting off topic here, but all of this ties in. And sometimes like you can't talk about one thing without another because I really want to help like connect the dots for people. So, and if you're interested in doing some light reading, I want you to purchase uh, J.D. Rockefeller's book called Memoirs, published in 2003. And I want you to flip to page 405 and read where he says, and I quote, he says, some even believe we are part of a secret cabal working against the best interest of the United States, characterizing my family and me as a internationalist and of conspiring with others around the world to build a more integrated global political and economic structure one world if you will if that's the charge i stand guilty and i'm proud of it end quote (laughs) there you go so okay so we have established how the u.s dollar became the world's reserve currency. We established that. 1944. Okay, fast forward to 1971. President Nixon, at that point, he removed the dollar from the gold standard that year. So in short, nations were no longer able to retrieve gold for the U.S. dollar. Remember, gold is what used to back up the U.S. dollar prior to 1971. So this marks the beginning of the fiat currency. And fiat currency, it means that our money, the U.S. dollar, is not backed by anything at all. Okay, the only value it has is the value that we give it. That's why currently we have accumulated so much debt and the U.S. dollar has become more unstable because it's basically just paper with a number printed on it. But because the U.S. is a powerhouse in oil exporting, so is Saudi Arabia, we stuck, we struck a deal with them to only sell oil in U.S. dollar. Based on that agreement, we're an ally to them. Like I said, oil makes the world go round, right along with money. However, because the U.S. dollar is no longer backed by anything, We're having a harder and harder time selling our treasury bonds. Since 2014, foreign exchange and the purchasing of treasury bonds has declined. And then look what happened in February when Russia invaded Ukraine. The Biden administration imposed sanctions on Russia that prohibited U.S. dollar transactions in that country and banned all Americans from doing business with Russia's bank and other investment funds, too, in that country. 
literally, that didn't do anything except hurt us. (laughs) We shot ourselves in the foot. This wasn't a good move on our part. For other countries to see, literally, this is what happened. Just like other countries watched us withdraw from Afghanistan, other countries saw that we can just seize foreign currency if they do something that the U.S. doesn't like. You know what I mean? It makes them not want to do business with us if it's that easy for us to seize funds. makes them not want to buy treasury bonds. And this probably explains, I mean, all you have to do is a quick Google search to see who and how many countries are already dumping the U.S. dollar. It's crazy. (laughs) Okay, so in the world of global currency, fast forward to... 2015. In 2015, the International Monetary Fund, which remember it was established back in 1944, the International Monetary Fund allowed the Chinese yuan, 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 I think it's that's how you say it, the Chinese yuan, Y-U-A-N, to become a world reserve currency. There's a couple other reserve currencies. U.S. dollar is just the dominant one at the moment. Okay, the euro's a world reserve currency, yuan, U.S. dollar. Um, I think there's like one or two other ones. But yeah, the U.S. dollar is the dominant world reserve currency, okay? China is the first country to develop and deploy its own digital currency, okay? It's called a CDBC, Central Digital Bank Currency. The digital yuan is different than things like Venmo and Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, It doesn't rely on actual money at all. It relies on computer codes. Do you remember the trade war that we got into with China, that the U.S. got into with China back in 2018 when Trump was president, where both of us were raising taxes on imported goods to one another? Just Google it to learn more about it if you want. But the trade wars turned into a global currency war. And just seriously, go look up U.S.-China trade war and currency war. You'll see these articles back back in that time saying trade war may become a dangerous currency war within the next two years. You'll see articles that says battle over currencies. A financial war could be brewing. Now, I'm usually the first one to say, do not pay attention to the media. (laughs) But listen, what they were saying was right. They were not wrong. The trade war turned into a currency war and China began to look for other options. And this affected more than just United States and China. Many people like myself included, I had no idea this was happening. And now, since then, many countries have already dumped the U.S. dollar. This has been happening since 2018, but it's happening at a very fast pace now. For example. Countries like China, Russia, Iran, big three right there, three peas in a pod right there, Brazil, the European Union, India, all dumping the U.S. dollar. I think the last time I checked, there's a list of 23 countries that are dumping the U.S. dollar or already have done so. Like, this isn't a conspiracy. The monetary system is being transformed right before our eyes. Currency is the biggest issue of today, along with the moral state and decline and the spiritual wickedness going on in this world. And it's being said right now 
that Saudi Arabia is considering using the yuan, the digital yuan, in its oil deals. One of the biggest oil exporters, remember? And over 80% of the world's central banks are exploring the use of CDBCs, and 67 countries are either researching, developing, or they have a pilot program for a CDBC. Like, there's still a lot to figure out um, with this digital currency, how it would fundamentally work, but it's pretty simple as far as how it works electronically, but they haven't figured out how they would distribute it. Some people don't have bank accounts, so it's all in the works. It's not monetary, so... You know, how would banks be involved? And, you know, with China, they're going full steam ahead into the digital yuan that and many are speculating that the U.S. dollar could possibly lose its supremacy in the world economy because of the digital yuan. Goldman Sachs predicts that the digital yuan could reach a billion users by 2030. I'm just over here like, well, yeah, that fits perfect with the timeline for Agenda 2030. And then like I was talking about earlier with the outbreak of the Ukraine war and all the sanctions that we imposed on Russia, other countries really began to question alternatives and seek alternatives to U.S. currency. Because what's happening, what's been happening is that we've abused the U.S. dollar for way too long. The sanctions that we've put on other countries in the past it's simultaneously been snowballing to create a move to, to, to move away from the U.S. dollar. And then the recent sanctions in Russia by the U.S., like, in my opinion, that's like, that was like the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, the, the U.S. is still the world's dominant power, but it's a less important power than it was 20 years ago. We still hold the U.S. dollar as the world reserve currency, but that is changing. We started losing the value of the U.S. dollar when we switched to fiat currency during Nixon's presidency. The U.S. dollar is losing prominence. You have to understand, like, your power as a country is only as good as the ability that you have to force people to use your currency. So That's us, to force people to use the U.S. dollar. And the world... Other countries are starting to say, you know what? We don't like that anymore, especially Russia. People are starting to ditch the the U.S. dollar and they're not purchasing treasury bonds anymore because of how our politicians have used and abused it. And it's a very vulnerable position to be in for the United States because we are the largest importer of goods in the world. And on top of that, It's also important to note that in June of this year, just literally the end of June, like a little over a month ago, members of the BRICS nations met at the 14th BRICS summit. So BRICS is is synonymous for, um, or BRICS is a synonym, BRICS is, what is the word I'm looking for? Acronym. Yeah. (laughs) BRICS is an acronym for Brazil, Russia, India, China, and South Africa. And they just announced that these five countries plan to issue a new global reserve currency. And it's just hearsay right now, but Turkey, Egypt, and Saudi Arabia are considering 
also joining the BRICS group as well. And based on what Putin has publicly said about this new announcement, the U.S. dollar is losing its dominance. And this isn't something to call a conspiracy anymore. Things are shifting. And as the currency changes, so does our stronghold on global power. As I've been praying about this episode and praying for discernment, some of you all may may already know this, but God confirmed it with me just the other day as I was in the car thinking about all of this and this episode. But um, the U.S. economy is going to collapse. It's coming. I'm not saying tomorrow or even the next five years, but it's going to happen. America is going to crumble economically, financially. The current state of our nation is nothing compared to what's coming. There are some turbulent times ahead, but in order to usher in a cashless society, which I mean, connect the dots here, admit (laughs) that the Bible is unfolding right in front of us. There's no way you can't see it at this point. But in order to usher in a cashless society, you have to destroy the U.S. dollar. Because as long as the U.S. dollar exists, people are going to have a lot of it. The independence has to be removed because they want people to be dependent on the state. They want people to be dependent on government. That's the whole point of globalization. That is the whole point of Agenda 2030. So we can say all day long to one another until we're blue in the face to, hey, keep using cash, keep it in circulation. But it does not matter. It does not matter at all because if the U.S. dollar loses its value, then your your cash is useless. You can't use it at all. That's why we need to be paying attention to the digital yuan and the whole leap by many others to get on this CDBC train. When you pay attention to these international meetings, summits, forums, whatever you want to call them, where they talk about how they want to shape international government, there is one thing that is very clear, and it's that they're all uniting under one common agenda, globalism. Just just read the UN Agenda 2030. They also call it their uh, Sustainable Development Goals, the SDGs. But a cashless society, that's the, that's the globalist dream. Nobody has money. They just have units, which are kept in a bank and can be distributed by the government. And believe it or not, this even surprised me. There are more people that are comfortable with the government managing their money than you think. It's very common and popular with those who just love socialism. But, you know, I say all this to say, you know, I'm sure people are thinking, like, why would our government do this? Like, why would they do this? Because, like, you can see, I don't know. I just, I can so, I can see so clearly that when our, when I'm just talking about the United States, but we make these decisions that just don't make any sense. But when you think about the underlying motives and the, the global agenda, It makes complete sense. Build back better. The great reset. That everything has to be destroyed so something better can be built back in its place. One, one that's painted as light and prosperity and peace and security. 
and we've talked about this before, so I'm not going to go into it, but we know that peace is not coming to this world until Jesus Christ returns. There is no peace promised while we're here on earth. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. But anyway, you know, and the reason that these people do this, you guys, is because mankind is inherently evil. Our hearts are evil. Genesis 8.21 says, every inclination of the human heart is evil from youth onward. Psalm 36, chapter 1, verse 4. I'm going to read this to you because this is the epitome of of what of what's going on. So it says, an oracle within my heart concerning the transgression of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. These people don't fear God. It says, for he flatters himself in his own eyes. Yep, they only care about themselves when he finds out his iniquity and when he hates. So they don't want to hear about their iniquity. They want to flatter themselves. It says the words of his mouth are wickedness and deceit. Yes, he has ceased to be wise and to do good. Yes, because they don't fear the Lord. It says he devises wickedness on his bed. Where did I read? I I cannot remember where I read this, but it was somebody. It was a scientist, I think. Ah, I don't remember, but it talked to, literally, I remember hearing a quote from somebody who said that they lay, they stay awake at night thinking about their plans for this world. Anyway, that I'm just going to leave that there because I don't remember who said it, but I remember seeing it. But um, back to, back to Psalms it says he devises wickedness on his bed. He sets himself in a way that is not good. He does not reject evil. Okay. These people. Here's the thing, too, like these people aren't sitting in their meeting rooms thinking, hmm, okay, guys, how are we going to fulfill the book of Revelation today? (laughs) No, it's because God knows the heart of every person and he knew exactly what kind of evil plans people were going to plot and plan. And that's why we have prophecies like that is why they're given to us, because Because God knows every man's heart. He knows the beginning and end to all of our stories. He knew that these plans were going to be had. That's why God warns us. So when we see cities in certain countries also (laughs) beginning to implement these social credit systems like China and Europe, I believe believe as of right now, they're just voluntary. But these social credit systems, they reward people for quote unquote, good behavior that's in line with the 2030 sustainable development goals, agenda 2030. Like it will be fairly easy to give digital money for receiving your digital points for being a quote unquote, good citizen. We're going to talk more about this in my series that I'm starting to launch next week. I'm so excited about that, you guys. But people think that this stuff isn't going to happen. And at the same time, they don't even see that it's already happening. America has been living in their safety bubble for so long that they are so oblivious to what's happening in the world around them. But that's coming to an end a lot sooner than what people think. God is shaking us up now. And if you think now is bad, you just wait. (laughs) Just wait. 
China's social credit system is designed to gauge an individual's trustworthiness. Like 80% of the regions and cities have introduced some version of the system or they're about to. I think Rome's launching this same type of digital system called the Smart Citizen Wallet. It's like an app. But think about it. This is just something that we have to watch. But if Russia and China are working together to develop the new world reserve currency, and the digital yuan has seen to be, from what I've heard so far from analysts, it's it's actually a alter. It's a I don't know what they call it, like an alternative to. Obviously, it's an alternative to money, but it's actually been beneficial to their economy during the recent, you know, inflation period. So it's already looking real promising. This digital yuan, so. You don't want Russia and China to be the world superpower. But we'll see. We'll see because we don't have time to get into it. But Gog and Magog is looking real fulfillable right now with everything going on in the Middle East and stuff. But anyway, so just think about all this, though. You guys, like with this social credit system, it seems like this would be some sort of a catalyst to the coming beast system to the cashless society that we're preparing for. Like you get virtue points for being a good citizen with things like this. Okay. The first thing they do is reward you or incentivize you for being a good citizen by making it voluntary. We saw how this played out. We saw how this played out with incentivizing the vaccine with free donuts, free burgers, free free baseball tickets. And observing the last two years, listening to what our global leaders and scientists have been talking about and seeing other countries implement social credit systems and seeing the U.S. dollar in the beginning stages of losing its dominance in economic power There's so much more that I could talk about with all this, but this is the courier of what's to come. This is paving the way for the B system that's talked about in Revelation. It is so obvious. But the thing is, it can be, it can be clear as day for those who have discernment because it takes discernment from the Holy Spirit. It takes discernment, godly discernment. It takes a biblical worldview for people to truly see the times we're living in. It's not enough for me to just tell you. God, through through the Holy Spirit, he has to reveal these things to you for it to really make sense. And all I can do is plant the seeds and warn people and just pray that God uses those seeds to help people make that connection. But they want the old system to fall apart so a new system can be built in its place. They've been saying it for a while now. Build back better. The Great Reset. The New World Order. It's going to get worse until it gets worse. And the economy is going to collapse. And that's exactly what they want to happen. You have got to have a biblical worldview in order to see this. Because none of this is going to make sense to a lot of people unless they know the Lord and spend time in prayer and in relationship with Him. But you know... 
people would rather stick their head in the sand. But the thing is, everything going on in this world is something that affects you and your family. We can't avoid it, and it would be in our best interest to pay attention to what's going on. It's not wise to choose to be ignorant anymore. I'm not calling people ignorant, but at this point, the reason a lot of people don't see the things happening in this world is because they're choosing not to know. Excuse you. They want to ignore it and just hope it goes away, hope that we go back to normal again. And guys, we're not going back to normal anymore. It's not happening. You want to know why all these people are learning how to garden and hunt and raise their own food? Because they're preparing for what's coming. The Holy Spirit is preparing people for the times ahead. That's why it's important that we're paying attention to the things going on. That's why God is calling his people into deep relationship with him. Don't ignore the people telling you this stuff. And now I will say this. The Lord has not called me for some reason to prepare in that way in terms of like raising animals or planting gardens or stocking up. But I do know people who have been called to do that, who are doing that. And it's beautiful to see. And although I personally am not stocking up or anything, I have peace with that because I feel that it's in my calling to teach and warn and share. But at the end of the day, I know that whatever happens, my God is going to take care of me. I know that for a fact. He is a supernatural God. He has not changed one bit. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He made manna fall from heaven in the book of Exodus. Jesus broke bread with thousands of people with just two fish and five loaves of bread. Our God has not changed. He will do it. He will provide a way for those who put their faith in him and believe that he will. This world can go up in flames right now. And I tell you what, I will still be singing the same song with the same amount of joy. Because all that, all that whatever happens in this world, the worse and worse and worse and worse the, the world gets, the better and better and better news it is for us who believe that Jesus Christ is coming back so soon. That is what faith is for. That is the fruit of having the Holy Spirit and having a relationship with God. It's a supernatural peace and joy that the world cannot give you and the world cannot take away from you. Because listen, when the economy collapses and the U.S. dollar becomes a thing of the past, people are going to be looking for hope and help and strength. People are going to be so hopeless and you're going to see so many Christians are going to be hopeless. Our nation is going to be turned on its head. Mark my words. But that is why God is building people in this season to be a voice and a light. That's why he is calling his people to get closer to him. The remnant is rising because when this happens, God's already been preparing people to shine in that season. Our light shines brightest in the darkness. Many of us already feel the darkness. It is a thick spiritual darkness and it is going to get heavier and heavier and more obvious. And as this grows, listen to me, as this grows, our light is going to shine brighter. Because as the world continues to fall apart and fall into place, actually, 
Our song isn't going to change. Our song is going to stay the same. These are the voices God is raising up because y'all, it's going to get a lot worse. That's why we're trying to prepare people now for what's coming. And the thing is, warnings are not supposed to make you comfortable, (laughs) but they're also not meant to instill fear either. The reason God gives us these warnings and speaks through his people to warn others is because he loves us so much and wants us to be informed. If the things that I'm talking about instills fear or panic in you, then that is your sign to draw near to God. He left us with a book of instruction and prophecies. And that's why Jesus told his disciples, I have told you these things so that you will have peace in me. He says, when you see these things take place, know that my return is near. When the economy collapses, we are going to see the greatest outbreak of revival the world has ever seen. It's already started. Because when that happens, for many people, faith is going to be their last resort. It's going to be the only thing they have left is faith. It takes real pain and real trials to build a real faith. But when faith is all you have, that's when you realize you have all you need. And if you want to build your faith, and this is the lesson I learned when I went through my valley of chronic illness. Listen, I <laughs> I have been in a place where choosing to trust God was the only choice I had left because I felt like I was physically losing the battle with chronic disease with my body. I thought I was dying. I placed my faith in God for the first time in my life and it changed everything. Everything changed. And that's what, sometimes God has to break you down to that point where all you have left is to trust him. That's what he's doing. Faith doesn't make things easier. Mm-mm, no. I don't know who told you that. doesn't make things easier. But it gives us a better, a supernatural ability to endure. And the reason that I talk about the need to sanctify ourselves and remove sin and pride and idols out of our lives and burn them out of our hearts. The importance of surrender and humility is because when you do that, when you allow God to discipline you and burn those things out of your life that are not of him, that do not please him, that is when you can hear from God so much more clearly. He aligns your heart more with himself once he removes those things that keep you from him, whether you realize it or not. God's people are so full of pride and sin and fear and idolatry that it has created a veil, a fog in front of us from seeing the assignment. Like I said, that is where God is calling his people right now. God is pouring out his spirit all over the place right now. Do you see it? I hope you see it. I am desperate for people to see it because God is moving in this world right now. I see it. I see it through all the chaos. And if I'm telling you guys, if if you feel like God, if you feel like you have this urge or this need to get into a church or or spend more time with the Lord or read your Bible, like I'm t- <laughs> I'm telling you, 
you need to lean into that more than you ever have before. Because like I said, he's pouring out his spirit. You don't want to miss it. It's actually a lot of fun. It is so much fun following Jesus. The other thing about what lies ahead is that during a season to come, I mean, it's already here, but it's going to get worse of financial crisis and economic collapse and spiritual turmoil. Because as we get closer to the end days, you guys, spiritual warfare is going to get more and more deceptive and more and more intense. And we're going to talk about that in some later episodes with my series that I'm getting ready to launch. But um, yeah, with the spiritual turmoil and the cultural and moral decline um, is during this season, as we continue on. What you're going to see is that God is going to take care of his children. He will be taking care of his people. Believe that does not mean that God's going to make it easy. Doesn't mean you, it doesn't mean you're, you're not going to be hungry, but people are going to see the favor of God among people. And two things are going to happen when, when that happens, two things are going to happen because of that. One, people are going to be so curious why the world is going up in flames and people are rejoicing and praising God and speaking life into the situation. And then two, scripture also talks about how many people are going to fall away from the faith in the last days. We already see that now. There are people who truly have no faith at all. But for those who have like bitterness and envy, resentment, or like evil in their heart, even though they call themselves Christians, They're going to be the ones shaking their fist at God and falling away from their faith, turning from God. It's going to happen because you see, you can't fall away from the faith if you don't have faith to begin with. So it's talking about Christians, just letting you know that. And the line is being drawn between the real Christians and the apostate Christians right now. We can already see it. That's what I've been talking about for a a little while now. And have been feeling for a while too. We see those people and churches who are standing in the middle of the tension of this world. Being a voice of truth to both believers and non-believers. And other people and churches who are silent about the spiritual issues of today's world. Silent about prophecy. And who don't see what the Holy Spirit is doing. Like the trials here and the trials to come. They're going to reveal our true colors, you guys. Quote unquote, it says many will grow cold. And fall away from Christ, showing that they are professors only and truly not born again. Matthew 24, verse 12. Do you understand what that verse is saying? That line is drawn where our true colors are going to be exposed. Many are going to grow cold, showing that they are just professors of the faith, just lip service, and their hearts truly don't serve the Lord. You're going to see that. God has already started to make it clear, and it's going to get more and more clear. I'm telling y'all. And then Daniel says in chapter 12, verse three, that those who have insight will shine like the bright expanse of the heavens and those who lead many to righteousness, like the stars forever and ever. In the last days, you guys, we're going to, many people are going to repent. Many people are going to fall away, but many people are going to repent and turn to the Lord and God also put it on my heart to tell you all that he wants us to focus on our families right now. Forget about building wealth. Forget about storing up treasures here on earth. Focus on your family. 
Focus on taking care of your family. Focus on your relationship with God. And, you know, I just, I really felt that him put that heavy on my heart as I was preparing for this episode. So I just wanted to share that with you all. So, hmm. I know I've talked about a lot in today's episode, but this is so important for us to know. It is so important for us to be awake to what's going on in the world. And whenever God puts these things on my heart, it's my job to be obedient to sharing it with others. You know, but at the end of the, at the end of the day, this is good news. You guys, this is good news to those who have put their faith in the Lord. God did not promise us that life on earth would be easy, but he gave, he gave us a way to endure. It says those who endure to the end will be saved. It's a promise of perseverance. When Jesus talked to his disciples about how they were going to face persecution, he encouraged them. Read John chapter 15 and 16. Seriously, after this episode, go read John chapter 15 and 16. Fear is not from the Lord, y'all. Fear is not from the Lord. And we just, we can't expect to be treated any better than how Jesus was treated. We, we just, as, as, as born again believers, as, as professing followers of Christ, you cannot expect to be treated good in this world. I don't know where we went wrong in those expectations, but we are warned that we're going to have suffering. Jesus gave us a way to endure. And You know, the reason that we're warned about the way the world is shifting and moving is so that we don't be discouraged. Jesus said to his disciples, he's saying the same thing to you and me. He said, I've told you these things so that in me, you may have peace. He says, you will have suffering in this world, but be courageous. I have conquered the world. Our savior is coming back one day. Could be tomorrow, could be 30 years from now. We can endure anything with Jesus because as Paul said in his letter to the church in Rome, he said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. That's the promise I'm waiting on. (laughs) That's the promise I'm holding on to. I cannot wait to get my glorified body. I cannot wait till sorrow and trouble will be no more. But we need to know what's going on in the world. And we need to know that we are not of the world. That's why scripture is the way we're able to view the world through a heavenly lens, a spiritual lens, because we are waiting for our God to come back to the world. And it will be the best day ever. So stay encouraged. So... I know this was a long episode, but I just want to thank you for, for listening. I hope that this gave you clarity. I hope this encouraged you. You know, my, my goal is always to warn, prepare, teach, and encourage. That's really all I'm trying to do. And I'm just so thankful that the Holy Spirit got me through this episode because this one was heavy. This one was heavy for me to do. So... 
thank you for tuning in. Um, make sure to hit subscribe if you haven't already done so. I haven't said this in a while, but please give me a rating on my podcast if you enjoyed it, if you enjoy my podcast. Um, and if you need any information, if you need any more information, visit my website, www.promise-perspective.com. Um, it has a contact form on there for me if you have any questions or uh, my emails in the podcast description too. So you can contact me at any time. So next week we're launching a seven part, eight part. I don't even know at this point. Um, it's going to be a long series about what it was like in the days of Noah. And that fits perfectly along with what we talked about in this episode today. So we're going to dive further into what Jesus meant when he said, as it was in the days of Noah, so will it be when I return. So get excited, set your alarms, set your reminders. Um, next Tuesday, we're getting, we're getting deep into prophecy. So I love you guys. I hope you have a great week and God bless.